You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org. Do not baptize your babies. Don't do it. Don't do it. We're here to tell you why. Next on Cornfield Theology. Hey everyone, Pastor Sean here, back at you with another podcast of Cornfield Theology. Thanks for tuning in, thanks for taking interest. Logan, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, man, things are good? Yeah, just sort of uh, enjoying just work, because I'm in a new position, training. Any controversy in the world right now? um, Yes. What? Yes, there is. you got something on your mind? Not in particular, but is there controversy in the world? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Ever, of all time. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, eh, yeah. I could probably find. I just have to go to Twitter. Give me like five minutes. Yeah, I'll no find joke. controversy. Uh, well, we're not we're not here to get in. Well, I do. I don't mind controversy, and right. certainly we've done podcasts that are controversial. At least we're we're taking up controversial topics that um, we're trying to help Christians think well about. Right? I mean, we've talked everything about COVID to mm-hmm. you know 2020, basically what happened all throughout 2020. Might have been a topic in your last sermon that was a little controversial. Uh, yeah, a little controversial mm-hmm. there. I don't think it's controversial, but it is. It shouldn't be. It is. Mm-hmm. Now everyone's like, what is he talking about? Well, you can go to redemptionhelldsm.org and listen to the last sermon. There you go. <laughs> um, so Cornfield Theology, thanks for listening. We're a teaching ministry of Redemption Hill Church located here in the Des Moines Metro. Des Moines Metro. Uh, you can learn more about Redemption Hill, like I said, at redemptionhilldsm.org. Also, if you want more of our blogs, uh, if you want to read our blogs, we also do audio blogs for most of our blogs. Um, we find that some people enjoy that. You can go to cornfieldtheology.com. We also put all of our podcasts there as well. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you can find us on YouTube. Yep. And you're, you, you, as the master YouTuber, were explaining to me the various elements of YouTube. Can you explain to our listeners who are much brighter than me all these elements? Please like. Please subscribe. Leave a comment if you need uh, want to give us some feedback or suggestions for future episodes. Yeah. And hit that notification bell so that you get a updates bell. for when we drop a bell. our yeah. videos. Boom. So uh, thanks for that because that's a lot, man. Like, I just like, you know, when you go to Facebook, now it used to be just a like, thumbs up on a uh-huh, post. Just a like, yeah. But now we have like a like, a heart, a cares, you oh, know. Right, and yeah. then I don't know if they. Which has become so sarcastic. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyways, you can find us on Apple Podcasts as well. Give us five stars. When you give us five stars, and I don't know how their algorithm exactly works, but what I do know is that uh, the more five stars we get, when people put in theology into that search bar, um, it'll populate Cornfield Theology. You can also find us on Spotify. A lot of people use Spotify for podcasts. Mm-hmm. I've learned yep, this over the years. That's my favorite way. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Oh, well. I don't have an iPhone, so I don't use Apple Oh, Podcasts. that's right. You're one of those people. Yeah. So all you Android users out there, um, you can, I don't know if it's a like or a share or whatever on Spotify. I don't know how it works. I think you like, yeah. You like, okay. And then places, smaller places like Stitcher. Yeah. There's some other. For those on Amazon podcast, how are you? (laughs) There's not a lot of, how are you doing? Is there one of you out there? Can we find you? In the middle of the I hope you're doing well. Thank you. Do what you need to do on Amazon. (laughs) You know what's even worse? Google Podcasts. Oh, yeah. If you're on Google Podcasts, wait, hold on. I can't. Can I see you? Where are you? Oh, wait, because no one's on Google Podcasts. Not really. (laughs) Which doesn't play well with podcasting in general. Like, like I have an Android that's supposed to use Google as its main thing. No, I use Spotify. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Appreciate it. Um, let's get into the topic, Logan. Don't baptize your babies. True or false? I say true. Don't do it. Well, we need to explain why, don't we? I mean, otherwise, it'd be a very short podcast. podcast yeah, yeah. Just don't do it. All right. Peace. Peace. Deuces. <laughs> I'm out. Um, so we have, let's use, use some big words here. Uh, there's two major groups, uh, two major headings when we think about baptism. Mm-hmm. So we have pedo baptism, also called infant baptism. Mm-hmm. Then we have credo, also called confessional baptism. baptism. So those are your two main categories. So if you're like, okay, I've heard of this baptism thing, you know, those are the categories we're going to be working out of. And even within those categories, we got some subcategories to deal with. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about, uh, let's first talk about pedo baptism or infant baptism. Mm-hmm. So first, first, first denomination I want to tackle is the Catholic Church. I grew up Catholic. I was sprinkled as a baby. 
my parents are good Catholics, so that's right. what you do. You're an Irish Catholic, so. Ooh. So like, you that's know, my ancestors. That's you wear green. You know, I think maybe at my baptism it wasn't white. I was wearing could have been green. Uh, usually you wear white. But anyways, do you know anything about um, Catholic infant baptism? Yes. I mean, I know because I grew up Catholic. Right, and I did know. not. Yeah. Um, but I did. But you're learn. a smart guy. I try to be. Sometimes my wife would disagree. Fake it until you make it at least. Amen. Yeah. C's get degrees. <laughs> C's get degrees. <laughs> uh, and sometimes D's. But anyways. <laughs> um, You're so, losing all credibility with the listener. <laughs> shh. I got it. It's I got that piece of paper. Yeah. Expensive, expensive piece of paper. No joke. Um, so uh, infant baptism from the Catholic perspective. Um, it is part of the sacramental system, which I don't know all the sacraments. I think you've said there's seven. Well, seven, seven major ones that people talk about. Sure. So let me just spout them out real quick. Um, you have baptism. You have um, First Communion. Mm-hmm. You have confession. You have last rites. You have the sacrament of marriage. Yep. You have um, the, whatever the sacrament's called for when you become a priest. Yep. That's one. And there's one more major one. What is I mean, it? did you already say communion? Or first, Yeah, yeah. Uh, first communion. But have, is, isn't have... the other communions like that you take later, like every week? Considered well, it's the Eucharist. Eucharist? Yeah. Or well, mass? I'm talking about the, the specifics. This, they're almost like steps. It's a progression of sacraments that you take. So there are moments in a Catholic's life that you do something specific. So when you get first communion, so I got it in first grade, from that point forth, you could get communion every single week. Okay. You get the Eucharist. They call it the Eucharist. You know okay. Call it. So, so we got the one where they become priest. There's one that I'm missing, but but you got to realize, like at one point, such a bad Catholic. Yeah, I know. That's why I left. Right. Couldn't live up to their standards. <laughs> Couldn't remember all of them. At one point, I think they had over like hundreds of sacraments, and then some smart guy came around. And was like no one's gonna remember these. No, let's do these. Let's just distill it down to seven. You know. Mm-hmm. So, anyways. Um, so uh, with the theology, what's the theology behind Catholic infant baptism? Right. So uh, like the Protestants, Catholics do believe that babies are born with that original sin, but yeah. infant baptism removes that original sin right. from the baby. Right. So now they are, they are no longer tainted from that, and they were judged instead in the future for the other sins that they commit, but right. never original sin. Right. Which we don't read anywhere in Scripture. No, nope. um, of this particular doctrine, but it is a doctrine of the Catholic Church, and um, like you, a lot of their doctrines, dang, can't find yeah, it. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, this is getting into a tangent. One of the major reasons why I left the Catholic Church is like I couldn't square the Bible with uh, particular theological points, like mm-hmm. um, uh, the deification of Mary, things like that, saints, so so forth. And anyways, I digress. But one thing to note about um, Catholic baptism is that it does, in my opinion. It minimizes the power of the cross. Why? Because instead of Jesus forgiving the sin of that baby, the sacrament of baptism is doing that. It's making it pure. It is only by the blood of the cross in which one is made clean. Mm. Now we're saying it's Jesus plus infant baptism. Sure. So There's like two washings. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's a great way to think about it. It's a great way to put it. You got this first washing, which you have at baptism. And then you have the second one, which is, you know, the cross. Right. So take great issue. And the thing with the Catholic sacramental system is that the, it's a means, every every sacrament is a means of grace, um, a flow of grace. And, and in my opinion, it becomes very much a works-based mm-hmm. um, religion. And I would defend that point as one who grew up Catholic. It's like at the end of life, you know, this is the way I was taught, the scales of justice, you know, are you, are you doing more good things and bad things, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think every ex-Catholic I've ever talked to describes it as a works-based yeah, uh, religion. Yeah, totally. Now, to be fair, and we want to be fair, I've met some evangelical Catholics, and it seems like an oxymoron. Very strange. Very strange. But they're, they're, they're out there. Those who believe you're saved by grace alone through faith alone, you know, getting dialing into Ephesians 2.8. Mm-hmm. They read their Bible. They love mm-hmm. it. Um, but they're still clinging to Catholic tradition. Usually a big thing is um, the the Pope, uh, the, the deification basically of the Pope. Mm-hmm. So there, there's some out there. Um, but I do think by and large, you know, it's a works-based religion and baptism tends to be, or not tends to be, it is one of those particular sacraments that is a work. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, we would, we would roundly reject Catholic infant baptism. When right. I say roundly, I mean wholeheartedly. 
I do not believe, I don't think it is a legitimate baptism. It would be an illegitimate baptism. And as one who was baptized in the Catholic Church, you know, I've been through that. I was an altar boy into high school. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. I passed out a few times because they had to kneel so long. I'd pass out in the middle of mass. It was so embarrassing. I had a cousin that was an altar boy. I should ask him if he ever passed out. Yeah, I'd be curious. Does the priest just stop, or does he just go on with the unconscious no, kid in the background? No, they go on, at the both t- every time they went on, and like the, a couple of deacons would be like carry me, you know, away. <laughs> Stretcher. Yeah, get him. All right, so it's Catholic infant baptism. Mm-hmm. Now, a let's move on to um, what I want to call Presbyterian pedo baptism now there are other denominations mm-hmm. that do infant baptism or pedo baptism but let's focus in on presbyterianism um i i, I, I i'm not as put off by presbyterian pedo baptism yeah why why are you not in your head for it i'm well come on now so okay spill the beans I'm, I'm credo i'm credo but i'm sympathetic to why infant baptism well, okay. So, all right. We'll just jump right into it. So, it is their belief that the sign of baptism is an outward sign of the covenant with God. Yeah. Just like how circumcision was the sign given to Abraham of the old covenant. Yeah. And so, they see a very strong continuity between yep. the old and the new covenant. And, like, that's probably one of the strongest arguments I think that they have. I agree. And, um, and, and, and under the... A, th- a theological perspective of covenant theology, mm-hmm. you know, which is their basically theological system, which by the way, f- I hold the covenant theology from a Baptist perspective, um, which they would say, it just means you don't hold the covenant. Yeah, I, know, theology. I know, I know, I know, I know their, their argument back, but I'm, I'm 1689, you know, mm-hmm. kind of in that vein. So anyways, right. I, I get where they're coming from. That's where the, some of my sympathies lie yeah. because they're working within the system of covenant theology. Right. But also, like, because we, we want to be a people that always goes to the scriptures. Right. And they do have a scripture that does tie. They have a scripture. A, yes, one. They have one. Right. But if their interpretation is correct, it doesn't matter if they have one. Yeah. yeah. But we take exception to their interpretation correct um do you want me to just go ahead and read yeah it? go ahead and read that's from colossians 2 uh, 11 through 2 it says in him also uh in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of christ having been buried with him in baptism yep. in which you were raised with him through faith and the powerful working of god who raised him from the dead yeah so you see the connection there between circumcision and mm-hmm. baptism. And so uh, the Presbyterian interpretation would be, you know, because we have this strong connection here in this particular passage, mm-hmm. there's no reason to believe that, you know, because a child was circumcised, a child should also be baptized. Mm-hmm. They also have a few uh, logical uh, arguments that come from this of like, you know, God included the children of uh, believers in the old covenants as part of the covenant. Yeah. Why would he stop including the children in the new covenant? Right. Um, it's more of a logical based argument rather than a scriptural based one, but I can see where they're coming. Oh, from. I, I totally see where they're coming from. And, and as one again, who holds to covenant theology, I'm sympathetic to um, some of their interpretive moves here. Mm-hmm. Um, but as one who's first compelled by the scriptures, that's why I would reject um, their interpretation of this particular text. I mean, I think with this text, the most important part of like understanding it is raised with him through faith. Yeah. So baptism is being a picture of being buried with Jesus. Yeah, we'll get into more of that. But yeah. being raised with him. Yeah. But I just wanted to point it out in this yeah, absolutely. section, even though, yes, it's tying circumcision with baptism, faith is also mentioned. Yeah. And a baby can't have faith. Yeah, and I, and I think if you're going to understand circumcision in that context, mm-hmm. you you have to think well about all that Paul says about circumcision, saying like Galatians, for example, there's a mm-hmm. passage in Romans we'll get to here in a moment regarding circumcision. I, I just don't think the connection is strong enough in order to create an entire, I don't know, theological point on mm-hmm. infant baptism. Right. I need more than that. And that's mm-hmm. where I, that's the reason why I'm confessional in credo is because I think there's more 
on that side of the argument. Yeah. I think it's important in, in fairness to the Presbyterians and trying to re- represent them well. Yeah, yeah. They are not saying that baptism saves you. Correct. And I think it's a great point because it's not the Catholic Church. This is, the, this is why we, we parsed out Catholic infant baptism mm-hmm. and Presbyterian pedobaptism. What, what they're doing is like, you know, uh, parents will baptize, you know, with, with the minister will baptize their um, infant. And it's a, it's a hoping on a promise, basically, mm-hmm. that in the future, this person will receive faith, mm-hmm. um, will be given the gift of faith. I would say probably more that way from God. Yeah. Would you say that it's accurate to say it's almost like they see the child as being a functional member of the covenants of yeah. God, but yeah. not an actual spiritual member? Yeah, that's one way to think about it. I think that's what, what they would say, that you're part of the church family, mm-hmm. right? But we don't know yet if you're part of the spiritual family. Right. Which is raw. I mean, it's it's an okay way of thinking about it in terms of having those categories if you're going to do infant baptism, um, because you, it really does allow for catechism and catechism mm-hmm. models to take place. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot to be said for that. Um, uh, I think some of the, the drawbacks are it gets really muddy all of a sudden. You can almost become dependent upon your membership in a local church instead of faith in God. You know. Mm-hmm. So where where is that moment of conviction where yes, I am. I am saved by grace alone through faith alone. That moment, that conversion moment, that that um, John three um, moment. We talk when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, right? You need to be mm. born again, type language. Uh, that's such where an I, evangelical. What's that? I said you're such an evangelical. Uh, that's my thing, though. Like, yeah, some of, some of the course. primary it's a evangelical great principles. Point. You have to be a born again Christian. Yeah. That's where it kind of came out of. Yeah. So, so um, some of the points regarding uh, uh, conf- uh, confessional credo. Pedo baptism, excuse me. Even we're getting like mixed up. I know. Here, here are some arguments, I think, against some scriptural arguments. Let's go to Deuteronomy uh, 30, verses mm-hmm. 5 and 6. It says this, And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. So already back in Deuteronomy, we have God kind of laying this down. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, in the Old Testament, you know, circumcision was given to Abraham. But even moving forward, it seems like God's moving into a direction where the where the issue isn't the outward sign, but the inward circumcision of the heart. And we have that already in Deuteronomy 6. Mm-hmm. So, and the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring. So this is really getting into, this is really building off the offspring of Abraham. Mm-hmm. Um, so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and that you may live. And that's really important. Now let's dial in to Jeremiah. Do you know that passage, Jeremiah 31? Um, 31, 31, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, a new covenant. That's really important mm-hmm. because this, it, it's like, it's not that the old terms are taken away, but there's a building of and a working off of, um, the old covenant. And there's going to be this new covenant. Um, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I was with them and took them by the hand of the land of Egypt, my covenant, they broke morons. Come on now. Like you do better. Oh, oh, you're right. I always, you know, get after Israel, but come on, guys. And I'm like, oh, wait, I'm an idolatrous moron as I mean, well. right, yeah, yeah. You, I look at the, like, Exodus, like, you just came through the Red Sea that yeah. your God parted. Yeah. And Moses is up on a mountain for 40 days. You're like, oh, that's too long. Let's worship a golden calf. And you think, you're an idiot. And I'm like... Would I would I be better? No, no, we need to really. humble ourselves. Anyways, continue. Anyways, yeah, uh, they broke the covenant, morons, all that kind of stuff. Verse thirty three: For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Mm-hmm. It and seems like something. Hence the name language of new covenant. Something right. new is going on here. Mm-hmm. Now it's not it's not necessarily addressing, um, you know. Um, you know, infant baptism or, or baptism in general, but it's talking about something that is not external, but internal that's right. going on. That, that um, again, just pointing back to the heart. And doesn't he even say, I forget if it's there, I could be wrong, um, that it says like the new covenant will not be like the old. Yeah, it's in there. So it even adds, a, it adds that distinction. Yeah, it and, adds the distinction. It is not to dismiss the old covenant, mm-hmm. you know? So, so for example, the law. Right. The moral law, right? When we go to the book of Hebrews and we talk about how Jesus fulfilled other aspects of the law. Um, Jesus fulfilled the law, Matthew 5, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not a dismissal of the old covenant, but it's something new going on with the new covenant. Right. And I think 
to the Presbyterian's point of that there's a lot of continuity between the old and new, which I agree with. I totally agree with. I think that Jeremiah shows that there is at least some discontinuity. Right. So covenant theology, we talked about that earlier. It's like one of the things that, it, that it, one of the strengths, it's it shows the, the continuity between the old and mm-hmm. the new Testament, the old covenant, and the new covenant where it misses is, is the difference that you just pointed out. God is doing something new. We saw that already in Deuteronomy 3. We mm-hmm. see that in Jeremiah 31. And then we can go to passages like Romans 9, uh, 29. But a Jew is one inwardly, and circumcision is the matter of the heart by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. Not only the letter. Um, his praise is not from man, but from God. Okay. So again, we're talking about the heart. We're not talking about um, this external action that keeps one within the covenant, right? Mm-hmm. That as an infant, whether it be circumcision or or infant baptism, we're talking about a matter of the heart. Mm-hmm. Now, does this mean this whole language of the heart? Does that mean all of a sudden that baptism in general should be should be done away with? No. What we are saying is that God is doing something new, and it first begins with the heart, and then there's a response to what mm-hmm. God does in the heart, as opposed to circumcise the lad. And hopefully, <laughs> circumcise the lad, and hopefully, you know, the heart will follow. Nice. No, that's not what's going on here. Yeah. All right. And I wanted to make one more. I have actually two more points. I have a point yeah. and a question. Point. Of, I don't do questions. Go ahead. <laughs> Get out of here. Uh, one point. Again, talking about that continuity. Like, so saying that infants got circumcised, therefore infants got, should get baptized. I just thought of this, so forgive me if it doesn't fit into our flow. Oh, man. But you're hijacking the whole thing. Yeah, you said boys. You're right. Boys are the ones that got circumcised, so not not Lad. the girls. I said lads. Yeah. Yeah. So should only lads be baptized? No. If you're gonna try and do that yeah. continuity. If you, yeah. 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 I think that's a little bit of flaw. But my question, and we can uh, uh, think this through. Um, what about the household passages? So for those that are not. Um, yeah, household passages in Acts, Cornelius, yep. I think Acts 10. Acts 10 and Acts 16. Yep, yep, yep. Um, it mentions that, uh, in specifically Acts 16 is what I have pulled up here, and after she was baptized Lydia. and her Lydia. household. Lydia, yes, right? Lydia. Yep, I believe Lydia. Lydia. I so Cornelius, Acts 10, Lydia, Acts 16. 16. But it says her household. Yeah. And this is one of the passages, because we would argue that there's no passage that actually describes infant baptism. They would right. argue... This does because it mentions the household thoughts. Yeah, household is very it, uh, it's uh, it's not defined. We don't know what household means. So, um, uh, you know, one who's going to say you know we're proponents of pedo baptism could say you know there's probably young kids and they should have been baptized. Mm-hmm. And I would say okay, I hear that. Well, you don't know that it could be all older kids and sure. they came to faith and what they all be sixteen. Yeah. Uh, what what I want to what I want to point out is the pattern though mm-hmm. is that. She believed and then got baptized. Right. And so that would assume that anyone in the household believed and was baptized. So you got to think think about that passage in light of the pattern that's set in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Repentance, faith, baptism. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think about, like, my wife and I. Are we a household? Yeah. Yeah. So if we both got baptized, it'd be us and our household got baptized. Yeah, not the cat. Myself and my household. Not, or, not Betsy. No, uh, Betty. Betty, sorry. How dare you? Sorry, Kennedy. Uh, Betty. Yeah, not gonna baptize my cat. She'll no. be so angry. Cats don't like water. Nope. One time, I we had we had cats, a cat in the house, and the kids were like, "Let's put it in the tub." Oh, what a disaster! You fools. Oh, man, they had no idea. Um, but yeah. So personally, I don't see any reason. There is. It's an argument from silence. silence. Yes. Yeah, so it's just. There's no that. reason to assume that yes, there was infants in that household. Yeah. And so, I, well, why I cannot say I can see cannot see anywhere in Scripture where infant baptism is described. Nope, that is different confe- from confessional baptism, where it is described in a lot of places. In a lot of places, and and so not only do we have the pattern, but we have the picture almost. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I this is where let's get into more of a defense of confessional baptism. Again, I know some of you listening are pedo Baptists, and we're thankful you're listening. Um, don't think any less of you we just we have a very strong position on on confessional baptism or credo baptism as part of our confession of faith right as well uh i want to add this as well you don't need to be a member of of redemption church to hold this particular position 
Mm-hmm. And so um, you can even take communion with us. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Because we believe in open communion. So if R.C. Sproul were still alive, I would welcome having the Lord's table with that brother any day of the week. Well, Sundays. And then any day of the week. No, any day of the week. Yeah, any day of the week. Anytime you, you gather. gather. That's right. You want to remember Kevin DeYoung, outstanding theologian. Man, I'm not going to decline that guy. He's a brother in the Lord, you know. So uh, I hold also to, to an open communion perspective on this. But all that said, confessional baptism. So confessional baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament, which is ordained by Jesus Christ. Or known as ordinances for or, the Baptists. Or, yeah, some Baptists freak out. And they're like, don't say sacrament. It's like, it's They're so anti-Catholic. Yeah, it's like, okay, well, okay, ordinance, if you like. Um, and um, to the participant, baptism is a sign of his fellowship with Christ. And you mentioned this er- earlier in his death and resurrection. And being grafted into Christ, remission of sins, and submission to God's lordship to live and walk in newness of life through Jesus Christ. So, uh, baptism is a very strong sign, um, outward sign. So here, here, here's the purpose of baptism. Um, when someone is baptized, kind of goes under the waters. Here, it's an outward sign of faith in Jesus, and not only in Jesus, but the message of, of Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the gospel, right? It's not only that Jesus was a man or the Son of God or Son of Man. But he has to have a message, and that message was, you know, repent and believe. Mm-hmm. And so it's um, an acknowledgement of that, which is why at baptisms we have folks give their testimony mm-hmm. of of that message in their own lives, you know, the work of the heart that God did in them. It's also a picture, as we mentioned, of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then, as I just mentioned, a public testimony, a public testimony. Mm-hmm. Quick story in this. When I was in seminary a yesteryear, um, long time ago, uh, I took four a, score and seven, seven years, years ago. ago. Oh man, uh, I had took an elective, and um, the individual who taught the elective, he was a missionary. Mm-hmm. Spent most of his life overseas, most of his life in areas that were very uh, dangerous for Christians to go to, and predominantly Muslim countries. And and it was interesting to hear him talk about when a when a a person, a Muslim, converted to Christianity. And how the baptism moment was very significant because they really held to that public testimony. Hmm. And how was that public? It wasn't. It wasn't when he, you know, confessed faith for the first time, you know, in the private home or with a pastor or with you know a missionary or whatever, whoever. That public testimony because it was declaring to the world to a, to a very hostile world that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And man. That takes some guts. Oh yeah. When we talk about America being a little bit, a little bit hostile towards the Christian faith, it's not the same. Not it. Yeah. It's not the same. Not even close to being the same. Now, is there hostilities? Yeah. I mean, someone wanna at me on Twitter or whatever. But it's not like facing my death. Yeah. I can do. I can do. I can do a really cool thing on Twitter and Facebook. I cannot care. <laughs> I can delete you. I can uh, yeah, block. Keep you uh, blocking. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like. Uh, that's the worst of it. Then we got a pretty good, you know. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. I think hostility is coming in America more and more, but we're talking about like you give your testimony as you're baptized, and, and everyone wants to kill you. Yeah, and now you're in danger. Yeah, yeah. Now your life is literally on the line, and you might die next week or that day. So that yeah, public. I mean, I've heard of uh, pastors being arrested. Oh yeah, jailed like. Mm. So let's talk about more scriptures. Um, let's go to the book of Acts, if you will. I want to add one more thing. Yeah, for for the purpose. Not only is it a sign, not only is it a picture. Yeah. Not only is it a public testimony, but it is an act of obedience. Thank you. Yes, that's very good. It is an act of obedience to God, mm-hmm. um, and that obedience is done out of a heart of faith. Mm-hmm. And so this is why, um, you know, evangelicalism. Let's say it that way is not a, uh, a uh, faith of works. Mm-hmm. It is, well, it's a, we, we confess faith. It's a, it's a faith of grace. Right. And we respond to that. Mm-hmm. So that's a good point. Uh, more more foundational text to help build out the pattern here a little bit. It says in Acts 2.41, so those who received his word, so there was a receiving, mm-hmm. received it. Boom, got it. Got it. They were baptized. Mm-hmm. So you see the pattern here, and they were added to the 3,000 souls that day. Um, that's an important passage. Also, I'm trying to think of another one that we can go to here. Anyone, other ones come to mind? Peter, before that, says, repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. That's yep. right. Because it's a, his same, fa- oh, same verse famous sermon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. 
So you see a clear, like there is, you have to repent. You have to believe. Yep. And then you're baptized. Yep. And so we have this one from Romans 6. Uh, Do not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. This goes to the picture that we were talking Mm -hmm. about earlier, what it symbolizes. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For we were united with him in his death like this, uh, like his, and we certainly shall be united with him in his resurrection. Yep. Uh, Romans 5, verses 3 to 5. So it's a really great text to go to when you're when you're officiating a baptism mm-hmm. because you get the picture right there. Death, resurrection. Um, first, you're united to Christ, Ephesians 1, right? And then we get to the baptism moment and we see what that uni- unity looks like. Mm-hmm. So that, and, and for you personally, that baptism is a picture of the old has passed away and the, the new, new has come. come. Yeah, exactly. Um, we could talk about uh, Matthew 28. The Great Commission. The Great Commission pa- passage. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations doing what? Baptizing, baptizing them. them. And then it mm-hmm. talks about teaching. And, and here's the thing I would make about, about that particular passage is that what's connected to baptism is the, t- is the teaching. Do infants understand the teaching? Nope. Like, I like to think I, had, I have smart kids when they were little. <laughs> but, like, could they understand, you know, the teaching of the gospel, like, the moment they were born or eight yeah. days later or whatever? Like, they were born, you woke up, yeah. grabbed grabbed your child, be like, all right, time to tell you the gospel. I, I read, the, read the institutes to them, mm-hmm. like John Calvin, you know, made yeah. sure they understood before they got baptized. No, there was a teaching coming along. Mm-hmm. There was a proclamation that took place. And as we see, you know, read in Romans 10, for example, we preach the good news of the, of the gospel, right? And so that people would hear. God uses us. We're, we're thoroughly reformed. We're thoroughly Calvinistic, right? Mm-hmm. We realize that God uses us uh, for his purposes and for his end. And they, we know, just as we see in the book of Acts, that Paul would, God was calling Paul to go into a particular town, even though, you know, Paul didn't know if anyone would respond, but God knew. And so uh, we want to be faithful to that. And so anyways, uh, Matthew 28 is really important as well. Mm-hmm. And then there's one problematic text, I think, that people get tripped up on. Bum, bum, bum. First Peter 3.21. You got that up in your on your uh, little handy-dandy smartphone yeah. over there? Yeah, while you're, you're doing your spiel. Go ahead and read that. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you. Now saves Not you. Not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What do you think? I guess baptism saves. But it does it. <laughs> okay, so I this text is, I'm going to say it's a hard text. I would agree. It is a super hard text. It is a text that maybe um, Catholics would point to. They would. Um, but there's a few things I think we need to take note of. One, it mentions... Uh, not as a removal of dirt from the body. What's that about? It's about the actual physical water. What right. is the water physically doing to you? It's washing mm-hmm. dirt from the body. So it, he, he, Peter is making the point that baptism is actually not about the water and the uh, physical act itself right. so he makes as the being a means of salvation. Right. He makes yeah. the statement, qualifies. The baptism that is saving you is not the actual like washing of the body. Right. But instead it is the appeal to God for a good conscience. Yeah. My personal interpretation of that, that appeal to God is that act of faith. Yeah. Which we would agree is what actually saves us. So baptism being an act of faith, an appeal to God for your clean conscience. So from desiringgod.com, Greg Mathis says this about it. And I read this earlier and I was really helped by it. I'm thinking through first Peter three, 21. Peter anticipates uh, we will be surprised to hear, quote, baptism saves you, end quote. So he immediately explains. He does not mean that the external act of baptism as removal of dirt from the body, as you just said, Logan, has salvific power of its own. Rather, the instrument connecting the believer to Christ for salvation is the invisible condition of the heart, faith, that is being externally expressed in baptism. Whew. I did not look that up. I just went off the top of my head. No, it was good. You're right on. That means you're, you're, you're orthodox and... A good Baptist, man. I was worried I was about to be thrown out. <laughs> yeah. You weren't kicked off the island today. Right. And I want to also point out, I think this text actually is a another great support of credo baptism. I agree. Because what is it? An appeal to God for a clean conscience. Yeah. An infant cannot appeal to God. Yeah. 
I agree. Let's get some help from church history. Is that cool? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I like church history. I loved early church history. It's kind of what I focused on when I was in seminary. Nerd. And then, yeah, and then the second I master's like where I was really dialed in early church history. And so we have a couple dudes here that support um, confessional baptism. And I want to read what they said. Uh, Hippolytus of Rome, Hippolytus of Rome, 170 to um, 236 AD said this. When each of them, uh, when each of them to be baptized has gone down into the water, down into the water, we'll talk about Philip here in a moment. Uh, the one baptized and shall lay hands on on each of them, asking, quote, "Do you believe in God the Father Almighty?" And the one being baptized shall answer, "I believe." He shall then baptize each each of them once, laying his hands on each of their heads. And so basically what he's doing is he's going through a catechism with them. Mm-hmm. So you have to understand the catechism and confess the catechism in order to be baptized. Now, faith, I'm not saying that faith happened in this moment, but we see that we see the teaching happening mm-hmm. and a person responding to the teaching um, as the person is being baptized. It's no different than what we would do when we baptize an individual. We would have them give their testimony. We'd give them a certain amount of questions and be like, hey, can you affirm these things? And so that's, and again, that's kind of a catechism going on. And so um, infants cannot be catechized in this manner, right? Mm-hmm. It's a couple spring. The parents may do it for them. Right, yeah. But it's not individual. The Presbyterians is like, do you... Mom and dad, blah, 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 yeah. blah, yada, yada, yada. Raise them in the faith. That's yeah, yeah. But this is clearly directed at the person being baptized. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, you know, many of those affirmations I would make mm-hmm. in a, sure. you know, paedo-baptist context in the sense of, yeah, I'm going to raise my children in the faith. But we see here how... Um, baptism is confessional, mm-hmm. confessional, or credo. Uh, another one from Tertullian. Um, let's just call him 155 to 220 AD. Um, in his treatise on the shows, Tertullian declares in chapter four that quote: "When entering the water, we make profession of Christian faith in the words of its rule. I'm thinking rule of faith there. We bear public testimony." which we already talked about mm-hmm. and we have renounced the devil, his pomp and his angels. I love that. And he goes on his in that particular, pomp. yeah, I know he goes on in that particular passage to go through the same thing we saw with Hippolytus, which was now we're going to go through our confession, mm-hmm. our confession of faith basically for them. Um, and it was basically a, a, a reader response thing. I'm going to read this to you, respond. I'm going to say this to you, read it to you, respond. Mm-hmm. And so again, we see how the, that's why we call it confessional baptism. Confession is connected to one's mm-hmm. baptism. And I think the reason that we're going over the, these historic examples is one of the critiques that Pado baptists have with us is that believer's baptism is not as historical or it's not as an old of a belief. Yeah. But we can clearly see that it was present. And I would like to add in my history book, The Story of Christianity. Is that uh, Gonzalez? Uh, Gonzalez, yeah, yeah. When it was focusing on the early church. He talked about how someone who was newly a believer was catechized for three years yeah, right. yeah. before they would even be baptized yeah. because they wanted to be certain right. that whoever that they were baptized, baptizing was, was a Christian. Doesn't mean they batted a hundred or whatever baseball thing. Right. Is right. it 300? Well, I thought a hundred is bad. Um, 300 is pretty average. Good. Batting a thousand. Thousands. Perfect. Okay. So it doesn't mean they were batting a thousand with the people that they were. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. I don't know. Sports. Love sports. <laughs> doesn't mean they were batting a thousand, but they yeah. wanted to make sure that those that they were baptized understood the gospel. Right. To profess the gospel. Yeah. Which I think those two quotes plus that it shows the historicity of credo baptism. Totally. Now there was a point, I think when infant baptism came on the scene, but I think it became very political to some degree. Mm hmm. Um, how do we how do we grow the Christian faith almost? And so church politics got in the way. Now I'd have to go back and dust off the old brain and a couple books to get into all those details. But what I do know is that in early church history, there was a. Um, I do think that confessional baptism was the dominant view of baptism. I do. In the early early church. Yeah. Right. When I mean, we're talking about you know second century here. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing quotes of these guys baptizing people who are giving confessions of faith, mm-hmm. which shows you the importance of creeds too, right? Oh, yeah. You know, the, the, the importance of, of making that confession while you go into the waters or under the waters. So, okay. So we've laid, I think, a pretty solid foundation. Um, I think we, we've dismissed the Catholic approach outright, and I think that's right. Um, I think we have some sympathies with the Presbyterian approach. 
but disagreements as well. But disagreements as well, because we do love uh, covenant theology and um, they're working within that same system. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are confessional. So right. let's get into what I call like the practicalities of of baptism, right? Um, three categories I want to talk about. The importance of the local church. I want to ask the question, who should be baptized? Now, I ask that, I'm asking that question not because I'm making the assumption that's confessional. I'm thinking more like, you know, if you've been baptized, do you do it again? If you're baptized as an infant, um, what how old you should be, things like that. And then that's going to bleed into the third category. When should a child or youth be baptized? Um, there's three views here I want to draw out. So first things first, the importance of local church. In our confession of faith, it says baptism and the Lord's Supper. Under that heading, baptism and the Lord's Supper are sacraments, which are sovereign institutions appointed by the Lord Jesus, the only lawgiver to be continued in his church until he returns. Couple things to point out there. Mm-hmm. We use the word sacrament, and all the SBC folks lost their lunch. <laughs> uh, we use the word sacrament. Yep. And it's sacred. It's sacred. Yeah. Like it's that simple. It just means sacred. Yes. Distill it down into the etymology of the word. We digress. Um, and it's in the local church. Now that has implications, doesn't it, Logan? Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Um. Uh. Well, I think that for the most part, yes, baptism needs to happen within the local church, especially when we're talking about like you needing to understand the gospel, believe the gospel. You have a pastor that is shepherding you. Yeah. Um, Shepherding the parents too. If it's a a younger kid. Um, And we are called to be a community. Like the function of the Christian is to be connected to the local church. Right. So of course... You know. So here's what I don't, here's where I would disagree with. I think what is kind of like the prevailing mentality within mm-hmm. uh, evangelicalism, okay, especially the Baptist, you know, brand. I mean, you might be non denominational church who's within evangelicalism, not specifically Baptist, but you're, you know, confessional. Mm-hmm. It's like you got a youth camp, and then, you know, Johnny raises his hand and says he, you know, wants to pray the prayer, and then he gets thrown under the waters. My my prob chucked. <laughs> chucked, yeah. We're gonna we're gonna send you off the bouncy thing, and you're gonna get baptized. Well, that's that the way. best way, <laughs> yeah, right? Well, my problem with that is like, who's do you believe in Jesus? Yeah. Who knows Johnny? Like you met him. You met him this week. Mm-hmm. Like, do you know his parents? How, how do you shepherd? Now, do I think that could be? Do I think God could be working in that moment in Johnny? Oh, for sure. sure. I'm not gonna dismiss that. But I think you you want faithful shepherds to be walking alongside um, these kids. Yeah. And if we're going to hold that baptism is something that we, that is done for someone that has faith and is a Christian, this person that is giving their faith to Christ right now, there can be some hesitancy of, is it genuine? Because there's yeah. many people, especially I have beef with the sinner's prayer. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There has been people that have said the sinner's prayer five times. Yeah. And it, it's not a true confession of faith. Right. So I get, I get that, uh, holding back because you don't yeah. know that person. Yeah. But I'm not going to dismiss God of working. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to say any of that, but I do think that you want, and it may be the kids not in a local church. Mm-hmm. Let's get them plugged in. Yeah. You know, if I'm the youth pastor or camp pastor or whatever it is, I'd be like, okay, Johnny, here's the deal. You, you live where? Okay. You live in um, Waukee, Iowa. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know this great church in Waukee, Iowa. I'm going to make sure you get to church every Sunday. You're going to get involved in their youth group. I'm going to get you connected with kids. And they're gonna they're gonna st- they're gonna help disciple you in your faith. Okay, you ready, Johnny? All right. And then maybe six months later, three months later, one. I'm not gonna put a timetable on it. The the pastor's like, yeah, let's get you baptized. It is clear God did something in your life. Mm-hmm. Let's do this. No. Now I think it's important to note that we're talking about I think what we would call like best practices. Right. Yeah, that's a good way like, to put it. Yeah, I'm just bringing my organization. No, cor- that, corporate that's important. I mean, we were talking about the ideal. Mm-hmm. You know, because one one could argue for being fair, like. Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. That's Acts the 8. first one I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, I, I get that. I totally get that. And and so I'm giving the ideal, realizing, you know, maybe there is that, you know, Philip and Ethiopian, Ethiopian eunuch moment. Mm-hmm. Now, I think it's important to note with that moment, what was the Ethiopian eunuch doing? Teaching him. Uh, well, well, no, the, the, yeah. The Ethiopian eunuch was traveling. Yeah. He was going away. He's not staying in that area. Right. Like that's that's I he think was going back to Ethiopia. He was going back. He was reading Isaiah fifty three, mm-hmm. and then Philip comes along and then teaches him. Right, right. And he has faith, and he says, "There's water here. Let's let's do this now." Yeah, yeah. A part of that context, I think, is that he's probably not going to an area where there's a lot of Christians, right, 
or a local church. He is the missionary. Yeah. You know. You know, which is very different than Johnny, who lives in an area with a plethora of, right, a good amount (laughs) of Bible-believing churches that he can get plugged into. Right. And then receive baptism. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's just wisdom at some mm-hmm. point. You just got to say, you know, that's wise. I mean, again, you could the the non-ideal would be underground churches in various places like China, right? Right. Where it's like, he just got saved. Let's baptize him now. Where's our local church? Well, they meet 50 miles away mm-hmm. every other Sunday because they're trying to keep the authorities off their back or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I want to acknowledge and be sympathetic to those exceptions. But also realize in our context, I think we can use a certain amount of wisdom um, about how we go about baptism. All right. So, okay. I was thinking about whether or not to bring up my own baptism. Are you going to do it? I I think I want to. Are you sure? I think so. I thought we were going to do a poll at the end. We can still do a poll at the end. All right. All right. So the Ethiopian situation. This is going to be clickbait later, but now you're ruining it. Go ahead. I mean, I could just save it. No, no, go ahead. We can drop it now. No, go ahead. All right. So I was baptized by my wife. Yeah. When we were not married. Would we we would call that not ideal? Not ideal. At all. Yeah. Uh, I was a Christian. Where were you baptized? Uh in the public pool at my apartments. Okay. With people surrounded. Okay. Um and the reason for it was because I professed faith. I had a strong conviction that I needed to be baptized. And this is late summer. And the next baptism at the church I was plugged into was in February. Okay. And I had a strong conviction. I need to be baptized. And from my understanding at the time, because of Philip, who was not part of a local church, he was just a Christian, not an elder, I should say, that he had the authority to baptize. My wife, not the wife at the time, was a Christian, so she had the authority to baptize. And so I told her, please baptize me. And she did it for me because yeah. I asked. Yeah. Not ideal. Not ideal. Is so, it a- so here's the poll. Here's the uh-huh. poll for later. You listening. Let us know in the comment section um, or, or send an email to um, info at uh, redemptionhilldsm.org. Info at redemptionhilldsm.org. Let us know if you think Logan should get rebaptized. Yeah. I'd be curious in response to that. I have my opinion. We've talked about this. Uh, yeah, we have talked about it. I am not convicted to the point where yeah. I think I should be rebaptized. Yeah. I do agree that it was not ideal because yeah. I do hold that it should be in a local church. But please, let us know your thoughts. Let I us know your re- thoughts. I'm still working on you. It was relevant to this text. Yeah, no, it's so. good. That's good, man. Also, um, in terms of the importance of the local church, I just want to point out that going to the ideal again, Elders walk with their parents and disciple their kids. We've kind of pointed mm-hmm. that out, but I think that's really important. There's another point. Yeah. I was in a mega church. Yeah. I never met them. Mel. Yeah. I mean, I met him in like the hall. Right. It's not this relationship. Right. You know? Exactly. It's not a relationship we have together um, in terms of me discipling you, walking with you, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, and so I think it's really important. Elders come alongside parents. And mm-hmm. if it's an older person, and he comes all alongside that individual. I think it's important in a parent parental moment that parents are really involved as well when, they, when it comes to the baptism of their children um, if their children are making a profession of faith mm-hmm. um, I think that's key um, I, a pastor should never usurp the role of parents in the home when it comes to these kind of matters they are the primary shepherd it's right. oftentimes it gets reversed and I'm just like ah, knock it off right so anyways all right go ahead anything else on that before we move on to the next category not on the importance of the local church. All right. Who should be baptized? Our confession of faith says those who profess repentance toward God, faith in him and obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ are the only proper subjects of the sacrament. So that definition alone would exclude pedo baptism or infant baptism. Right. Um, so a new, we have the categories of like a new believer or convert for myself. Mm-hmm. I got saved in my early twenties. The Lord again, worked cold, uh, moved upon my cold dead heart and made it alive. And I got baptized shortly thereafter. Um, I do believe there are illegitimate baptisms. Um, I do not, Catholic Church. I do not think my baptism in the Catholic Church is legitimate mm-hmm. um, because it was not built upon or had the foundation of the faith that I have today. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not make a choice or a decision. So there I, was no faith. There was no faith at all. So 
That's the who should be baptized. Now let's get into the trickier question. And this is where I want to exert some pastoral thoughts and hopefully some pastoral wisdom in, uh, with parents, right? Like I, I got, I got 11 year old, I got a seven year old, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, as is, can be the case in Christian homes, kid, kids profess their profession of faith. And the question becomes, do you baptize them right away? Mm-hmm. Or do you like my friend who's a pastor out East? He, he and I had one thing, had several things in common. One thing we had in common where we wrestled with this together is that we were pastors over youth. Mm-hmm. And um, what age? Uh, youth. Well, it would be junior high to senior high. Okay. So we're talking about like broad. Yeah, very broad. But the point is, is that you'd see people get baptized and then a year or two later, just completely walk away from the faith. Sure. And it, it was pretty often, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. I think I read a statistic. I mean, not not in high school, but in college, like 75 to 80% of professing Christians lose their right. faith in college. And Yeah. So we have, we, yeah, exactly. So we have that dynamic we're working with. And the other dynamic we have to wrestle with is like, we don't want to make a move back toward infant baptism. Mm-hmm. It's like little Sally said the prayer when she was two or three, when she's, you know, first started, you know, jabbering. It's super cute. But do you baptize little Sally? I, I, I got a lot of questions there. So um, this is where I think there has to be a tremendous amount of wisdom. Mm-hmm. So in light of that dynamic, when you're dealing with parents, with kids, what is the right call? You as a, you, you as a, who's a person who's not a pastor, uh, do you have any thoughts? I got a ton of thoughts, but I'll right. let you. I'll let you take a crack at the ball Man. before I okay. do. So uh, please forgive me, because not only am I not a pastor, I'm also not a parent. Um, I do agree with you that it's ultimately the parent's decision. The parent knows their child best. There are some six-year-olds that can grasp really hard concepts at that Correct. early age. Yep. And if the parent thinks, not only can my because what we want to be careful of is that that child isn't just parroting what we're saying. Correct. They got to own their faith. They have to know what their faith is, understand it, and actually believe it for themselves. This is why catechism is important. This is why catechism is very important. And it's going to be up to the parents to discern. I think working in conjunction with the pastor. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Pastor helping out, being mm-hmm. like, all right, Jim and Jane, how's Johnny doing? Because mm-hmm. the pastor is is responsible for the souls of all their congregation. I think that includes the children. Yep. Um, But it comes down to understanding and understanding your child and knowing whether or not they truly believe this truly understand it versus parodying what you say. Cause one thing that I've learned, like thinking about my time as a child underneath my dad, I thought my dad was always right. He could pretty much tell me anything and I'd be like, yep, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Still sometimes have that, but it's not yeah. as often. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but that's, we don't want them to just accept it because we say so. Right. We want, I went after, I mean, even with youth kids, I, I I mean, I think every month I preached a message where I inserted like, this is your own faith. Mm -hmm. You you cannot live on the faith of your parents. It's like a, like a draft car. Um, (laughs) you know, I'm not a NASCAR guy, but this analogy really kicked in. It's like, you know, when you draft another car, you're. You're using the energy of the car in front of you in order to kind of coast a little bit, right? Right. Yeah. They're taking, I think, the drag of the wind. Yeah. Whatever that is. Whatever whatever the dynamics of drafting is. And anyways, that's not faith. Right. Faith is you driving in your own lane. You can't ride in the coattails of your parents. That's exactly right. And so that's key. So anything else you want to add? I'm going to give three three areas I think parents could be looking out for in their kids Mm -hmm. when they consider uh, baptism. I think ultimately you you have to have faith as well yeah well of course like the spirit can work the spirit can work really young um my my wife got baptized really young because she had a radical experience with the with the spirit yeah where she knew in yeah, a my moment, wife was age four there you go and i was 22 you know it's like i was 18 really... yeah so we're not going to put an age limit on this um what i am going to say is that we can use wisdom and discernment mm-hmm. And so uh, three things parents could be looking out for um, in, in their children. You know, if they've made a confession of faith and they affirm uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is one, do you see a repentance in their life, an ongoing pursuit of repentance? I mean, kids are kids. We're all still sinners. There's that understanding for sure. But is there a move toward repentance or is there a rebellion in pride? Mm-hmm. Uh, repentance takes humility. And so that is something we want to be looking out for. Two, just a general, the fruits of the spirit. 
you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Um, and just think about those fruits. Like, uh, do you see that? Not perfectly, of course, but do you see that developing in your, in your, in your kiddo? Um, again, it could, for some, it could be older. Some of it could be younger. I don't know for sure, but I think seeing that is really important. Right. Um, an unloving kid does not have the fruit of the spirit. You know what I'm saying? You know? Um, so repentance, fruits of the spirit. And then you want to see in your child a desire to be obedient to Christ. Mm -hmm. And so let me give you kind of an example that goes through my head. You might have a child who's, who's, um, confessed faith. You know, there's a real work of God that went on in his or her heart, but they have like a water phobia, right? Okay. And so they're like, I don't want to get baptized because of the phobia. Well, as a parent, what do you do? Well, you ultimately want your kiddo. You don't push the kid into the water and say, you're getting baptized. I don't think you should do that. But you, you parent your child, you care for your child, to help them see that baptism is a response and it's, and it's a respond, a response of obedience to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it takes, you know, one conversation, it may take 20 conversations, but ultimately you want to see your kid be like, yes, this is obedience. And even though I'm not a big fan of water, I don't want to be center of attention and whatever the case might be. Um, ultimately my obedience to Jesus overrides any fears or phobias that I might have regarding baptism. So that obedience component is really important. So uh, in order again, repentance, you want to see that in your kid fruits of the spirit and then obedience to Christ. Mm -hmm. I did want to mention like, cause we've talked about being like cautious about it. Um, I also wanted to mention, don't um, treat it haphazardly. Correct. Like it's not important. Right. Like I, it's fine if like my, my and, child yeah. is experiencing these, but I'll just wait till they're 16. I'm glad you dialed back to this because I was going to say this when we were talking about youth camp. So part part of my problem with the kind of the youth camp culture and, and baptism being done in those type of contexts, it's almost as if baptism isn't treated seriously. Mm. It's almost like, ah, we're at youth camp. This is the thing you do or whatever. Sure. It's like, no, we want to treat it with reverence. We believe that this is a sacrament, which is, you said it earlier, sacred. <laughs> you know, that has to mean something. Um, and I also think that in these contexts, you want to be part of your church family celebrating that. Mm-hmm. Right. And so doing it, you know, Johnny doing it at camp with, with, uh, Jimmy and, uh, a bunch of strangers Greg, and then a bunch of people you meet for a week and then you go your separate ways. That's easy. That is not intimate to me. It might be, it's public, I would say. Yeah. Uh, but it's certainly not intimate nor I don't think is it treated being treated sacredly all the time. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. I think it's a, an extremely important act of obedience, profession of faith. It's, it's just so the more and more I've studied baptism, it's just how important it is. Cause we mentioned that, you know, the, the Catholic church has the seven sacraments. We hold to two. Why? Because it's the things that Jesus specifically yeah. had us, us do yeah. as Christians and as a church, just, yeah, Lord's clear. supper, yeah. which we do every week, which we do every week. Do this as often as so you gather, you gather and then go there for uh, preaching the gospel baptizing them yeah those are the two sacraments that christ has actually commanded yeah. so they should be treated with the utmost seriousness yeah that's right and that's why we take care into you know into baptism mm -hmm. and we don't want to be too hesitant right yep yep well hopefully that's helpful for you folks um thanks for listening uh, we again we just want to lay that foundation at the end here we just kind of give some practical wisdom and thoughts sp specifically for me from a pastoral perspective and what i've kind of engaged over the years, you're just beginning to see these things. Yeah, mm -hmm. I certainly have great thoughts. Um, Thank you. But be a great encouragement to some parents who are processing this, or adults, by the way, who were baptized as an infant. Might not have been in the Catholic Church. could have been in a Lutheran church, a Methodist church, for example, mm -hmm. um, or even Presbyterian church. Again, we have sympathies with the Presbyterian approach, although we don't totally agree with where they land on this on these type of things. And so... Um, I would encourage you to, to study more about confessional baptism or credo baptism and from the scriptures. Don't take our word for it. Mm -hmm. Go to the word of God. I mean, we pointed out some scriptures, but now I want to encourage you to open up your Bible and allow God's word to ultimately convince you of how to approach the topic of baptism. Yep. I'm going to add this. You may disagree. But oh, for at the, the end? Yeah. Oh, man. For those that were infant, you know, baptized as infants, I wouldn't want you to be baptized unless you are convicted and convinced. Oh, yeah. For sure. This is this is what I, I should do. Yeah, doing. no, no, this goes back to like you don't do it because 
your pastor it's tells not you. not frivolous. No, you do it because you're obedient to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. And with that said, to convince me, please leave your vote in the comments <laughs> or email. <laughs> maybe maybe the votes come in and so overwhelmingly like you need to get baptized. And that, that ultimately pushes you over the edge. That could be it. Yeah, that's awesome. It'd make you happy. Uh, it would make me happy. Because that means I would get to baptize you. Right? That'd be awesome. It would be. See, but I won't do it for... for you're softening. For, maybe. Do it for Jesus. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Again, check us out on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, for the two people who might be listening on Amazon. Amazon. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> you're my favorite. You're out here. We know you use Prime as well. (laughs) And then uh, nobody who's listening on Google. (laughs) Google, whatever. Uh, Appreciate you listening. And then until next time, we've got some podcasts that can be churning out here in the next few days. Um, Not not involving you, sorry. Although we could do another one uh, soon. But I got some some guests coming up, so stay tuned to that. My friend Rob Chisholm is coming into town. He's preaching at Redemption Church this Sunday, at least at the time of this recording. We're going to do a podcast on... You know, what does it evangelize? What does it mean to evangelize kind of in a hostile world? And so I'm really looking forward to that. Got some other guests coming in soon. So uh, keep tuning in and then make sure you're following us in all the relevant fields. Until next time, we appreciate you listening. So God bless you. Peace out. Take care. You're listening to an audio resource from Redemption Hill Church. This resource is not meant to be a replacement for participation at a local church, but an accessory to the care you're receiving from your own pastors. To learn more about Redemption Hill Church or to give to our ministry, visit redemptionhilldsm.org.